Abba Yahweh, thank you for this day, this new day, this opportunity, the breath that you provide, the steps you guide, the lessons you teach, no matter what it is, Father, you have something planned and that's all that matters. Doesn't have to be written down. I don't have to see exactly what you're doing. And Father God, you guide my thoughts. Thank you, Father. Abba Yahweh Amah. So through this turmoil that I am in the midst of, and I am in the midst of something so, it's actually pathetic. When I think about it and look around, and it's very sad, but um, it's only very typical of the actions of mammon when they can't do what they say they will do or they won't do what they say they will do for their sake. And it's not for anything else except for their sake. And why did Jesus come from a nice, comfortable place that he was in? He didn't have to, but he stepped off of his throne he took off his crown. He's king. And he set it down and came to earth, manifest as a human man. And remember, the Bible tells us that he was holy a man and holy the son of God. Came from heaven. And a lot of people have an issue with that. They don't get it. He was either one or the other. No, this is the mystery of our Lord God Almighty the Bible tells us about. And Jesus, capable of being the Son of God and a man, came to this plane of existence. And he called the disciples to him. He took them from the nature that they were living in and what they they came to believe in and what they did, but because of his authority and who he was and how he spoke and just when he looked at them, they knew that he was truthful. And there are few individuals that are like that in this day and age. And... Consequently, it takes being around them before you find out that they are untruthful. And I tell you this, and I speak this way because, brothers and sisters, I see around all the time. And it's becoming more prevalent. And let me chastise those who want to cry out doom and gloom and doom and gloom. Shame on you. Get into the word of God. Get in and seek his face and his face only. Get into the word. Repent your wickedness. Repent your crookedness. Get in the word of God and stop calling yourself a Christian until you get in there and you become one. And I'm telling this to those individuals that know who I'm talking to because a conviction of the Holy Spirit comes with what I'm saying. Hear my truth because my truth comes from the Lord God Almighty, our sovereign King. You know who you are.
And there are individuals that are out there now have elevated themselves to be higher than what they should be because that's not the position they were given when they were put in at a church they go to or attend. But they have developed this likeness for this authority that has not been given them and they like to declare that. So they make it up as they go. There are individuals that are running around out there in sharkskin suits and all the little bling bling and the glitter. So when they get in front of the camera and they move around or they get out in the public way and they move, you can see it sparkle. And they're teaching their congregations that if you follow them, that you will too become that way. And you too have an opportunity. I've shared with you already the, the one place that I went and they were actually... Uh, trying to teach the congregation that it was, what's the word they call that? It's not a, not the, not a Ponzi, um, pyramid. Yeah, they were kind of, anyway, it was wrong. And it was declaring money as their God. Be very careful where your heart is, so shall your treasure be. So if your heart is not in God, if your face is not seeking God, then you are in a world of hurt. And I see these things that are manifesting out here around the world. And it's got nothing to do with doom and gloom. And those of you that declare doom and gloom, you better get in the word and you better pray and you better repent for your sinful way also. Because if you're declaring to other individuals that are in the body of Christ and they believe, and then you're sitting there and you're hollering in their face about doom and gloom and doom and gloom and doom and gloom, and you take that all that 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 the Lord has given to us and you turn it into negativity, you are speaking exactly what the devil wants you to speak. And there are individuals sadly out there that are being manipulated and turned and giving themselves to that way. They're believing that white noise interference that comes from Satan and his minions and delivering that thing. And this is a great desire that Satan has to divide the churches to separate individuals away from one another. Why is that? Because if you stay close, you stay and you pray for one another, you uplift one another and you encourage one another and you seek God's face and his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom, then you stay unified, you stay in communion, you stay in community, you stay together and you are going to be with Lord God Almighty. In community, as one body, one mind, one heart, you lift each other up. Satan doesn't want that. Why does he not want that? Because in reality, it brings us to what? It brings us to our kingdom that we have become heirs and joint heirs. And he gave that up and he was cast out. And he does not want us to have what God offers to us freely. The only thing God asks us to do is to be about his business. And there are individuals, sadly, that won't do that. There's some that can't, and I I understand that. I get that. But there are many that just won't do it, and they refuse to do it. And instead, what they do is they watch the clock on Sermon Sunday, 
to make sure that they're going to get home in time for the kickoff, home in time for the barbecue, home in time for that nice cold beer that's sitting in the refrigerator, and they're going to go sit in their big old nice comfy chair. They're going to pull the lever, and they're going to throw their feet up, and then they're going to sit down, they're going to drink beer, and they're not going to do anything else all day long. And sadly, there are individuals that are like that. And consequently, they don't rely on God's timing. And God's timing is this. His watch doesn't work on our time. His watch works on his time. And there is no football game. There is no kickoff game. There is no... Big easy chair, pulling back the lever and throwing the feet up. That doesn't happen. I mean, everybody gets caught up in this thing called a clock. And Satan loves that. He loves to manipulate thought process. This is one of his favorite things to do. I've shared this with you time and time again that one of his favorite things to do is to get into your mindset. He loves to get in there. And it does not matter what your intellectual prowess may be. It doesn't matter what your IQ is. He doesn't care. He's going to get in there. And why? Because the mind is the weakest link. And that is truth. The mind is the weakest link. You can put things on to protect your body. I mean, you have law enforcement and military guys, they wear what they call body armor. They forget the armor of God, but they wear body armor and it protects them from shrapnel of explosives or getting shot at or different things. And they have, um, they actually have body armor that's bulletproof. I mean, you can get shot, it'll knock you down and give you one doggone big bruise, but it won't penetrate and it won't kill you. Not supposed to. However, there's a proviso. There are bad people out there that are getting their hands on stuff they can. That's not a good thing. And here's the thing. Satan manipulates and uses everything he could possibly get his hands on. And if we have on the armor of God, we are protected from those things. The slings and arrows that come our way, we can deflect. And the helmet of salvation to remind us and protect our mind because he's going to attack our minds. And a lot of Christians, they get caught up in the mindset and they picture Satan as being much greater than what he is. They see Satan as being a similitude of the Lord God Almighty, that he's all-powerful and this huge demonic present, but that's not what Satan is. Satan is not that. He can manipulate what you see so he can appear to be that, but he is not. The truth is that Satan has to bow to the authority that we have given through Jesus Christ. He must I'll remind you again, the book of Luke tells us that. When the 70 come back and they're all happy and jumping around about all the stuff that's going on because they declared the name of Jesus Christ and it's doing that and we did this and we did. The rebuke that Jesus gives him is a gentle rebuke, but 
my perception is, if you read it in context, is that he's trying to get them not to do that because then it becomes a boastful thing for them. And he's trying to get them to understand that it is for not for their sake, but for the sake of others and that their name is written indeed in the book of life in heaven. And that's the glory of what they're doing and not themselves and jumping around because then they become boastful of themselves. And as Paul reminds us too, he reminds us that our salvation is not in what we do, that our salvation calls us so that we do the good works, not saved because of the good works we do. It is not that. Brothers and sisters, focus must be on the Lord and Satan loves to take that away. He loves for us not to be that way. So what we have to remember is that we need to glorify the Lord and have him central in all things. And I'm going to go back to an old book, the Old Testament. Remember, I remind you again, Regula Fidele, Rule of Faith, reading from the front cover to the back cover, the back cover to the front cover, and go through all these things, and you'll find Jesus in the Old Testament as well as you'll find him in the New Testament. There are individuals that try to separate the Bible. The Old Testament is all the old stuff. It's all the things, and it's not that way anymore, and you don't have to do any of that stuff in there, and oh boy, what a mistake. You have to understand that the Bible is the word of God. It's his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. And the Bible in its entirety is gospel. What am I talking about? Well, the word gospel comes from a Latin phrase. And it means to speak truth or truth. Good news. The word gospel means good news. Period. Is the Bible good news that the Lord God sent to us to guide us, to keep us, to direct our paths and our walk and to help us learn and strengthen our minds? Yes, indeed. That's why you get in the Bible and you seek him in the word. Be in the word of God. It is our strength. He is our strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. An old hymn that was in. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Satan does not want you to be in his strength. He doesn't want you to be together with him. He wants to. What does the Bible tell us about Satan? He wants to break in. He wants to scatter the flock. He wants to steal and destroy and to kill any that he can. He is, as Jesus calls him, a ravening wolf. Peter calls him a hungry, roaring lion. Paul calls him a wolf. And it is mentioned that he disguises himself as a sheep. There are many wolves out there. I'm sharing this with you now, brothers and sisters, because it's becoming more and more and more prevalent. There are those that will disguise themselves as being a good pastor and because they know the word. And here is where you have to be very cautious. Because Satan also knows the word. And you're going to say, wait a minute, he's the devil. Well, here's the thing. 
Saint Lazare, he's remembering things that were there. I mean, this is why, well, let's talk about some things here, shall we? This is the word of God. So for you individuals out there that have declared this is glorifying Satan, shame on you. Get back in the book, read the book, study the book. And that book I'm talking about is the Bible because knowing your enemy is important. And there are those individuals that will declare knowledge of Satan is glorifying him. And that when you talk about him, it glorifies Satan. No, it doesn't. You focus on the Lord, but you know your enemy. Going into a battle and we are in a spiritual battle. We are told we are in a spiritual battle. In the book of Ephesians, we are said, it is said that we are in a spiritual warfare. And if you want to just lay down you are just doing exactly what Satan wants you to do. He doesn't want you to be prepared. He doesn't want you to be aware of what he does. He doesn't want you to be aware of his manipulation. He doesn't want you to be aware of his camouflage. And he doesn't want you to be able to fight. So you go ahead and you lay yourself down. You lay your lazy self down and you just say, hey, I don't have to do it because the Bible says we win in the end. Yeah, but you're going to get kicked around all the way up there. You're not going to resist. You're just going to lay down and let it happen. <laughs> and then what are you going to do when the Lord comes up and says, and tell me what you did. Explain to me what you were doing when you were laying in that nice big comfortable easy chair with the lever pulled back and you were drinking that beverage out of the bottle instead of being out with the others when they called you to come and go to the Bible study and come to share the word and come to talk about the truth, come to talk about my son who I sent to earth to die for you, by the way. Just a reminder that, you know, he came down there for your sake and he climbed up on that tree and they drove nails into his flesh. They beat him before that took place and he could barely walk. And then, so explain to me, how that's relative to what my son, my only begotten son, who we agreed would come down there and do all that he did for your sake. And he did that. And then you're sitting back in that big, nice, comfortable chair and you're not sharing the gospel, the good news with anybody else. You're just sitting there sucking down that thing that on your plane of existence you call a cold one. You call a beer. Explain to me how that is relative, that you you do that, but my only begotten son came down and, and I went in him and with him and he was told that he was going to be, and his name, by the way, let me, let me share this with you. My son's name, by the way, means savior. There's a different translation. It means savior, redeemer, rescue, salvation, and then here's the one that here's the one that is great is what you would all call his middle name Emmanuel means I am with him or I am in you because there are individuals that change it a little bit say that I am in you or with you and then I anointed him I anointed him for this purpose they call him Christ. My only begotten son, Jesus Emmanuel Christ. And then there was his earthly father, Joseph. And he came and he lived through all of that. He lived as you did because we 
believe this to be great, that, that we would feel your, the things that you went through, your sorrows, your griefs, your pain, and, and not just watch, but he lived through that. And yet, there you sit in that nice big comfortable chair with the lever pulled back and you're drinking that thing there when you are being asked to come to a Bible study. And then on the telephone, you're talking to the elder that called you to bring you and you lied to them over the telephone. You're sitting there in that big chair and you're not doing anything that you told them that you were doing over the telephone. So how is that serving my business? How is that sharing my good news with anyone? How is that being called to my purpose? How is that following my anointing? And then what are you going to do? Are you even going to be able to look at the Lord God in his face, in his eyes? Are you going to be able to say anything at all? Or are you just going to just sit there and suck down the truth? And that's going to be a hard pill to swallow. Let me share this with you. Brothers and sisters, if you are doing that very thing, and if you are not about your father's business, you might not care. And that's okay too, because you are walking on the path that your father wants you to walk and he is not our sovereign Lord God. Just like Jesus told the Pharisees. He said, you wouldn't know the truth. Of course, this is my paraphrasing, which I am due. You wouldn't know the truth if it came and bit you because you don't speak truth. You speak your father's language, which you have learned from childhood. And that language is a language of lies and it is a language of the devil. Yeah, I'm calling some of you out. There's pastors out there that are teaching this very thing. And the only time that you see them is when it's time to be in front of the camera and flash or bling bling and they're talking about these things. I, I can't even believe that you have individuals. And remember, the Bible's talks specifically about this and Jesus talks about it in Matthew 24. You will see it. When they call you and tell you that Christ is here, come and see Christ, he's here, Christ is here, or Christ is over there, don't go, don't be deceived, don't follow the lies. And there are individuals right now, one in particular, I just saw this, oh man, he got up and actually declared, and he looked right at the camera when he did this, declaring that one of his prophetesses a woman that was in his church walked up and said, God gave me this brother and came and named him specifically. God named him specifically and said that Jesus is going to come within the next couple of months and manifest himself, appear to him on stage with him, beside him, and endorsing his teachings, which are false, by the way, lies, deceptions, And that he's going to be an endorsement for him, for his testimony and his purpose. Well, first of all, let's, let me explain this to you about that. That God's truth speaks of its own authority and wouldn't need to have, and this is what you call in marketing, an endorsement. Jesus would not have to come down and endorse him. And this same individual 
called a curse on anyone that speaks against his ministry. So I guess I'm being cursed because brother, you better hear what I'm telling you. You are a false prophet. You are teaching lies and false doctrines. And you are going to have to stand in front of God, our sovereign Lord, and you're going to have to explain yourself. And the Bible tells us that there is going to be a special judgment for individuals that do that very thing. They are called to be a shepherd hireling. They are called to be a prophet of the church. And here's the other thing too, that prophets are not future seers. There are some that God anointed that way, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and those that see, and even to appoint David, because he does, he speaks of future things and events. And God anoints him in that way. God's called them all to do the same thing, but he anoints certain individuals with certain things that are above and beyond just being called. So these individuals that declare an anointing of God to do what they're doing and it's lies and false doctrines are going to have a special judgment for them. Indeed they are because they're lying about God, they're lying about Jesus, and they're stealing from not only God, but the congregation as well. Just as I told you that those, that father and son at that church, they were stealing from the congregation, and there were people there, and they're stealing from them, they're stealing from God, but they're vaunting themselves to be higher authority than what they are. The only authority that we have and that we are given and is given by our King, King Jesus, by the way, I'll remind you of that because in the last day when he arrives as his promise and every single knee shall bow and every single tongue shall confess that indeed he is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, the only begotten Son of God, and we will declare that. Everyone in the world will declare it, whether a true believer, saved Christian or not. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And those that are kneeling that are not true believers and didn't want to hear the word, they're going to be elbowing each other and they're going to say, you should have told me. We should have listened. Yes, we should have listened. And they did not. And now it's too late. That's like that. I've shared this analogy with you, the ramp on the side of Noah's Ark when God lifted that up and put his hand on it and you heard the thud and he closed it. He sealed that for their protection, his blessing. And then the people came up and it was too late. Open up, let us in, can't do it, God shut it. And what God shuts, no one, no thing can open. And what he opens, no one, no thing can close. I'm going to go back into the book of Chronicles. Chronicles is a study in the word, and it gives us a history of things that were going on with the people. And we have things that are being done and being noted and talks about the movement of the Ark of the Covenant 
and the various things, but here importantly, and what we'll find in Chronicles chapter 16. I'm going to divert back a little bit. Um, and before the temple was built, they were traveling and moving. The ark was placed in the midst of a tent. And actually, the word tabernacle is just a covering. And the tent that they put in was a tabernacle. And... Um, So they had the Levites who were descended and Aaron was of the tribe of Levi and everyone that was after and from that tribe was anointed specially and that was their purpose is to uh, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, moved it around. So tabernacle is actually what it is. It's in any any place, a house of worship. And one that is specially designed for a large congregation. And a large congregation doesn't mean that you're standing up there with all your bling bling and your shark skin suit and you're getting all these folks in because your purpose there is that if you can fill that place up, you're going to get more money and you're going to be richer and you're not going to have to do anything and you're to declare your, your uh, tax-free status. You're going to have this big old building and people are going to look at you and they're going to pay attention to you and they're not going to pay attention to it. There, now, let's get this straight, though. God does bless individuals that are teaching powerfully and teaching righteously and teaching truth, and he will bless them with an anointing of a larger facility because they have to make room. And God will direct that being done by God's direction, but there are individuals that take that to absolute froward, and there's that word froward, actions or teaching because they're speaking directly contrary to the Bible and the word of God. So they build this big old place because they need to fill it up and their their need, their desire to fill it becomes most important because the more people they come in, the more money. It's a... It's a pretty sad thing, but that happens and it goes and, and, um, but anyway, tabernacle, back to the word tabernacle, Tab tabernacle is any place or house of worship, especially designed for large, large congregations. And what larger congregation can you imagine that the number that came out of Egypt and so massive, and there's so many tribes that you have 12 tribes in the nation, their name, and there are more that came that were not of the nation of Israel. And the Bible talks about those that came and they, they call them strangers or, um, but only because they're not from the nation of Israel. They left Egypt because they, they knew that something truthful was going on. They heard gospel and they wanted to be part of that. So they left 
Egypt with Israel and they went and they became part of their congregation and they came because they wanted to follow God. But the ones that led them astray were <laughs> from the tribes of Israel. And we go, it goes all the way through the wandering and the whining and crying and all those things that was delivered to them by the Lord God Almighty. And when they came with a false report out of the land of Canaan. But all the time that they were traveling around with the Ark of the Covenant, even in that time that they, <clears throat> they erected a tabernacle that was a covering that all could come and be near and close to it. And during that time, it, they were tents. Um, one of the definitions talks about the temporary covering or shelter when they when Israel left Egypt and they were moving around before they built a temple in Jerusalem, a permanent building, which was, incidentally, if you remember and read the story, that that was David's great desire. But he was not able to do so because he had done some pretty egregious things. He he preached a lot and drove a lot of people to the direction of being with God and he worshiped God. But he also fell short and a whole lot of people like to hold on to the shortcomings of, of David. They love to do that and they like to remind individuals when you talk about David yeah, but he this, and yeah, but he that, and yeah, but he, ba 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 dee ba dee ba dee. Well, they do that to everybody now. They do, I'm sure they do that. I had an individual that it breaks my heart that that was even done, but wanted to grab onto that as if he was grabbing my chest and grabbing my heart and pulling it out and saying, you haven't this and you haven't that, and you're just the same as you were, and da 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 da. What's puzzling about that statement and what just absolutely, and of course, rather than grabbing the truth, which was that he wasn't even around to see or know that, and quite honestly, wasn't even old enough to know about any of that, but yet grabs onto that as if he knows the truth. And the truth is that it didn't happen the way he's trying to remember that he portrays, but he holds on to that deception. But here's the thing. I pray every single day the same. Am I going out? Am I coming in? And it doesn't change that. And my love doesn't change. Unfortunately, it is the belief in the lies that are told and the deception that has been put forward by the devil that is being held on to and holding on to that. Not, not my part because I refuse that, I rebuke that. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would grab his heart and let him see that. And it's already happening. And it's not in my timing. I would love to be able to get a call here in the next uh, few minutes to say, hey, let's go have something. Let's go get a coffee. Let's go eat lunch. Let's go eat dinner. And uh, we talk about this. That would be awesome. But I'm not really... Look at that. I expect God to operate and function. These things will take place, but it'll be in his timing, not in my timing. I'd prefer that be today, tomorrow, the next day, whatever. 
but it's not in my timing. It's in God's timing. And it's happening. I already see the healing process. And sometimes the healing process takes a while. And that's okay. It's in God's timing, not in mine. Anyway, saying that to say this is that everybody wants to point their finger at David. Yeah, but David this and David that. And how can you call David this? Wait a second. First of all, I'm not calling David anything. God called David. God called David a man after his own heart. And God took him through a lot of things and exercised that love for that man from his throne, and that was God. However, at the last, if you remember, you go all the way through, and it's, it's right in the Bible. David was not allowed, and he drew the plans up for the tabernacle. He drew the plans up for the temple that was going to be built in Jerusalem. And that was his greatest desire. His great, one of his greatest desires besides sharing the word of God and besides seeking God and wanting to be near and close to God to get to Jerusalem and then build this tabernacle because he and his men had carried the tabernacle. They even went and rescued the tabernacle, which is why he was dancing out there in his ephod and, and dancing around and why his wife came down and she says, oh, you're making me feel so embarrassed. Well, too bad that you feel that way, that you allow that to be in your heart because my heart tells me to worship Lord God Almighty. And you're allowing yourself to be embarrassed is not gonna diminish that. I'm gonna worship my God. <clears throat> and here's the thing. When you go to your church, wherever you might worship or wherever you practice, and when you go there, do not allow your worship for the Lord God Almighty to be distracted from by what people are gonna think the way that you worship God. You worship God how your heart is overwhelmed to do so. And if it calls you to be on your knees, it calls you to prostrate yourself on the floor, then you do so and you worship the Lord God Almighty the way your heart feels. And if they come up and somebody comes up and says, oh, you're making me feel so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed for you. How are they going to feel embarrassed for you? Because they are not you. You worship the Lord God Almighty in your heart and in truth, period. So anyway, back to David. So David's great desire was to serve the Lord and to build a temple. And, that, and he drew the plans for it. He drew up the whole plans for that temple that was built in Jerusalem that still stands today that can be seen today as a marvel to behold. He drew the plans up for that. But the Lord says, David, you know, I love you. You're a man after my own heart, but you know, because of what you did. The lies are one thing, but you, you, David, exceeded any authority, any authority at all, and you called out Uriah, and you caused him to be killed, and you manipulated those events so that his death, so that you could take his wife. David, you are not gonna build that temple. David's son, Solomon, <clears throat> And here's, here we go again. There's individuals that declare the inadequacy of Solomon. But here, know this truth. God does not call anyone because of your perfection. 
He calls you because your heart declares and cries out to him. He knows that I'm not perfect. He knows that there are things that go on, that I see these things that go on, and I fight hard against them. He knows that I fight against these things because Satan likes to manipulate and use these things against me and tries to get me to stop being about my father's business. And that will not take place. I will be about my father's business. Satan tries to get me so stirred up and agitated about the things that are going on. I, I've, I've got, I'm in a position right now that's not good, but I'm trusting my Lord, my God. Not sure when he's going to deliver, and that's okay. That doesn't matter because he is my sovereign Lord, my God, and I know, I know in whom I believe, and I am persuaded that he is able, just like Paul writes about and that song that we sang in school, that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. And there's that word again, there's that phrasing again, against that day. What is that day? That day when I enter the gates of heaven and he looks at me and he says, welcome home. And then I come in and I'm still going to have to tell him why and explain things. All of us are going to have to. He's going to show this to us and we're going to be in a position, but he's going to walk up his end because we have repented. We have given to him. We have given it over to him against that day. I know in whom I believe in. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. But here's the thing that Satan loves to do is he loves to remind us of those things and he loves us to think about those things. He wants us to stay in and regret. He wants us to be resentful. He wants us to be in division. He wants us to separate and then he wants us to... Uh, degrade ourselves. He wants us to uh, be self-belittling and that we take ourselves down and that we don't go back and put ourselves in the presence of God. His his desire is that I don't do what I'm doing right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this picture with you and I'm sitting here and I got my little mirror out in front of me. So again, when I'm talking about all this stuff and I, you hear me raise my voice, I'm talking in the mirror. I'm not just talking and pointing my finger out there because I don't have that authority. And it's important that anybody that does share the word of God and preaches that they need to talk to them, and there's some that don't, and that's sad. But I have my mirror that floats around when I'm looking at other places and checking out my doggos over here, my support dogs who are napping over here. But when I look at them, that mirror follows me around. So when I'm looking, I'm still looking in that mirror and I see myself. Have to be about his business, father's business and sharing the truth. So when I'm sharing all these things I'm telling you, I am not separating myself and putting myself above anyone else because I don't have that authority. I speak to myself as well as I speak to anyone else there. But there's a specific time when the Holy Spirit tells me to put that out there and, and the words I use, but I, I can't point my finger in, in uh, judgment to you. I'm not judging you. I'm just reminding you, hello, in a firm voice and admonishing you in a firm voice. But when I look, I see my face in that mirror in front of me. Know that is truth. Know that to be truth. 
So back to Chronicles 16. And we were talking about the tabernacle, the large tent that was built. And every time that David took that around, he there's a tabernacle that was erected for the people to come. And when they went and they brought the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant back, this is when they, they went out and had to rescue it. And we're going to actually go to, uh, we're going to back up a little bit here. We're going to go back up to Chronicles because this is talking about the festival, the sacrifice and all that that that's David did. And a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord God Almighty, which we are told to do, incidentally. So, and it, and we're going to go to uh, Chronicles fifteen twenty nine. And it came to pass the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michael, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looking out at a window, saw David, saw King David dancing and playing. And she despised him in her heart, which is exactly what Satan wanted to do. What was she doing? She was looking at him because she was the daughter of what used to be the king of Israel, who was actually a despicable despot and had given up and was not doing that that the Lord called him to do. And he gave that up. And that was his daughter that was promised to him because David saved the nation of Israel, saved his hide, actually. So Saul promised him. And then David became and was anointed to be king. And then Saul, of course, tried to kill him because his jealousy and his rage. Chapter 16. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifice and peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of the offering, the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, and next to him, Zechariah, Jeriel, and Zeramoth, and Jeheb, and Matahiah, excuse me, I might not be pronouncing these all right because I'm only practice Hebrew, I'm not Hebrew. And Eliha, and Benah, and Obadiah, and Jetel, with palstries and with harps, and, and Asaph made a sound with cymbals. So palstry is kind of like a, like a harpsichord. Benaha also and Jehaz and priests with trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Then on the day David delivered first the psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and then and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works and he had done his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. So this is what we're told to do, to seek his face, to seek that which is in the word of God. And we can find God. All you have to do is open up the pages of the gospel 
the good news and the truth and seek his face. And we will find then we're going to flip over and we're going to go over to this book that David has written, the book of Psalms. Psalms are songs and poems that David wrote to honor God. And we will find in Psalms 26, uh, actually 27, sorry, in Psalms 27. And we will, I will start in verse 4. Um, no, actually, I'm going to read 27 from the beginning. 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Does that not sound familiar? There's another place in the Bible where we find that. John talks about, and we're talking about John the baptizer. He, what does he call Jesus. He calls Jesus the light, our strength. He calls Jesus our salvation. All these things that David didn't mention here. Then I'm going to skip down here. And I'm going to skip down to Psalm 27 and 4. No, I'm not. I'm going to keep reading straight through. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though an host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple to learn in his temple, to desire in his temple. When you go, you seek that truth from the word of God and you learn. What David's talking about, and I will be in the house of God and inquire. And though the enemy surround, which brothers and sisters, I'm gonna share this truth with you now. We are surrounded. We are surrounded and the devil wants us and the devil wants us to be caught up in that. And it's not doom and gloom. So all those naysayers and all those individuals that claim to be Christian, self-proclaimed Christians they are, and I call you out on this, get to be real, get on your knees and repent and be in the word of God. Because here's the thing, there is no doom and gloom. Even the, even the stuff that talks about the prophecies that come, Jesus spoke of these prophecies and he's told us that it's even going to be worse before he comes back. It's going to get worse before he gets better. And why is that? Because we're on a broken plane of existence. Because the fall of man from the beginning anyway drove it to that. It isn't because God made it this way. It's because man has manipulated and broken all these things and has desired to fall the brokenness of Satan and not the truth of God. But those that choose to follow the truth walk in righteousness and their paths is straighter and guided that we're not going to, and you will stumble, but repent and simply stand up and keep on pressing forward. Press on to that higher ground. Look through the perspective of the lens of Jesus Christ. See those things that are good in God's sight. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war would rise against me, nation against nation, wars and rumors of wars, 
In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up on a rock. The rock that we are told. That rock, that's a firm foundation the salvation in Jesus Christ. Further, verse six, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore shall I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy, singing, worshiping. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Brothers and sisters, there is coming a time, and Jesus speaks of this thing, when we will have members of our own family that are going to turn against us. We're going to have sons against fathers, daughters against mothers, and that's a time and that will be the sign of great sorrows and that is the end time. We're told, Jesus told us that. Goodness gracious, go to Matthew 24 and read. They talk about all the doom and gloom, the doom and gloom and all that negativity, all that book of Revelation. It's not in the book of Revelation. It's in the book of Matthew when Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he called them up. And it's in Matthew 24, actually. And Jesus is speaking these words. And besides that, hear this too also. It said, Book of Revelation, that was written on the island of Patmos. And who visited John on that island most often? He had angels visiting, but Jesus came to John. Jesus shared in the vision of the churches and the letters that John wrote to the angels of the churches. Again, I share with you that the angels are the pastors, the leaders of the church. They are called the angels of the church. Jesus gave him that vision. Jesus told John to write these letters and Jesus's words to the churches. I hear you. The Holy Spirit is telling me that we need to be going to Revelation and that I need to share this. And we're going to go through the book of Revelation because it is the truth and it is the revelation. Now, some translations and testimonies, and you have people that argue this. I had somebody wanted to, to argue this point with me that you have different translations of the Bible. And yes, they are translations, whether or not you decide you want to call them that or not. That's what they are. You have the, the King James Version, you have the New King James Version, you have the New uh, American Standard Version, you have the ASV, and, and a lot of these are, are called with the, with the uh, symbols, are not called the actual name and all this, and you have uh, many, you have the New King James, and you have the, the King James International Version, and they, they write these and they translate them differently so that they're in an easier language to understand. But whether or not you want to believe it is what it is, it is what it is. 
truth is truth. And it doesn't matter if you want to jump on that bandwagon and call a cheetah a leopard. It doesn't make a cheetah a leopard because they're a different species. Um, everything about them, their physiological character is different, and that's true. So these Bibles, you will find that there's a different language. I, I like the King James because it has more of the old language closer to, I believe, the uh, my perception is I might find a, a different Bible that's closer to the old, and I'm trying to trying to read through the Hebrew Bible, but that is only it doesn't have the book of of uh, doesn't have any of the New Testament in it. That's okay. It's a good learning tool, and Holy Spirit told me to to do that. But the Book of Revelation, some translations of the book, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ to to John. And that's right below the heading, right up here where he had in my in my translation it says the revelation of Saint John the Divine. And this is another translation, and there are some that called John, John the Beloved, John the Divine, and, and things like that, because he wanted to be closest to Jesus. And in some some Bibles, some translations, and I have yet to find it in the Bible, and I'm gonna find these things, but there are hints that Salome, the mother of James and John, Big James and and John, the sons of thunder, that they were actually Jesus' cousin like John the baptizer. John the baptizer we know is the child from Elizabeth and Elizabeth's Mary's sister. Well, there's an indication that Salome was also Mary's, could be half-sister, I don't know. But that, that makes James and John Jesus' cousin. I, I'm just throwing that out there for thought process. I got to find a, a specific scripture and it's evading me now. I take the Holy Spirit and he'll guide me to that and show it to me. But that's kind of beside the point and beside the point because John sought Jesus and his truth and wanted to be as close to him as possible and came to him and shared his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom and, and sought that his whole life. And John was also very hard to kill. Incidentally, and there is there are scriptures that talk about this as they tried to kill John and they couldn't get it done. So what they finally they got tired of trying to do this. And so they put John out on the island of Patmos by himself. It was um, supposedly a deserted island, but they didn't know because they couldn't see into the spiritual realm. John could and angels appeared to John. They came and ministered to John. They talked with John. They delivered messages to John. John talked to Jesus on the island of Patmos. And the first books of the Bible are shared from visions that were seen by John. And John writes these things here. And I'm just going to read this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to shew unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and be, and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. And it reminds us too, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So those that want to call this doom and gloom and they don't want to read the revelation are acting pharisaical and they're acting like the Sanhedrin who didn't want to read past the five books 
because those are the laws of Moses, which was the law of God who was given to Moses to deliver anyway. So brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out, my coming in, that this day you are strengthened and boldly stand upright and courageous in God's righteousness.